listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Welcome to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nola Heal. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Leah Fink. Leah has been supporting people with their personal development for over 12 years. Her passion and expertise encompass providing experiential activities that foster a better understanding of self. Leah's experience includes working at a wilderness treatment program for youth who are engaging with challenges around substance abuse and mental health. Later, she supervised the program and focused on program development, staff training, and leadership development. Leah's background also includes coaching freestyle skiing, working in wilderness camp settings, and completing schooling for outdoor leadership and social work. Leah currently owns All Thrive, where she develops the strength within people to take on life's toughest challenges, solidify the relationships that make them better, and gives them purpose to live full out. She facilitates a variety of workshops to this end, both in person, when able, and online. Welcome, Leah. Thank you for joining us today. To start us off, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background beyond the bio. What brought you to discovering and developing your passion in experiential activities, deepening the understanding of self and what must be tremendous outdoor and wilderness opportunities? Well, so I really found my passion quite young, I think, compared to some people. And I was luckily 14 when I got to do my very first personal development course. And I loved it. I took on all these different ideas that I was presented with. I got to increase my confidence level. I got to understand more about the relationships around me. And that was that was hugely powerful. And so over the next couple of years, uh, because this is something my family took part in, I got to go to some more courses. A lot of them had this outdoor challenge component. So I just absolutely loved that outdoor component. I thought it was an incredibly powerful way to help shift thinking. And as I got older and ex- more experienced, I realized too, if you're going to ask someone to look at themselves or their life in a different way, it really helps to take them out of their habitual environment, to bring them somewhere new so they can ex- explore and discover a new way of thinking. So I decided when I was about 16, after a couple of these courses, that I wanted to help other people on this kind of journey. And I was especially passionate about helping youth on this journey, partially because I obviously got this huge benefit when I was young and I saw the impact of it. Uh, And also because what what a benefit to be able to use those skills throughout your life instead of looking back on your life with regret that you didn't have those skills yet. So that's what I focused my my career and my schooling towards, I did a degree in ecotourism and outdoor leadership to really gain a deeper understanding of how to use the wilderness or the outdoors, how to create some of those experiences for people. Um, And that I felt was a really great component to my learning. And then I also did social work at Mount Royal University. And so I'm now a registered social worker. And that was to really understand the people aspect of it in in a deeper way. And I knew mental health was something that's becoming more and more People are becoming more more aware of it, and it's obviously very, very important. And so I want to explore that side. Throughout this time, I was doing things like coaching some competitive skiing. Uh, I worked at a bunch of summer camps, some with more disadvantaged youth and some with a more leadership focused. And then my biggest role before starting my business was working with a program that was called Enviro's Base Camp. And it was a wilderness treatment center for youth who were struggling with substance use and mental health challenges. And... It, it definitely was kind of the capstone of what I felt I needed to be able to go out on my own. And it was an absolutely amazing program. So not only did it have 
the healing power of the wilderness and all the experiential activities that we got to take these kids on to learn more about themselves and how they could find mastery and achievement in these areas. But also the skills we helped them develop were very important life skills for mental health. They were building healthy relationships and learning better communication skills, goal setting and looking towards who they want to be in the future, understanding their values. All of those components are so, so important. And I realized how interlinked they are with a lot of those personal development components that I'd become passionate about all those years ago. And if anything, it just made me, you know, kind of sad that these youth had to get to this place where they went to a three-month program in the woods, that their lives were obviously quite disrupted before they got all this amazing skill development. So that's really my passion is, is bring those pieces together, that self-awareness, that mental health resiliency, and bringing it to people before maybe they get to that point in their life so they can face their challenges with a bit more skill and a bit more, um, yeah, a couple more tools in their toolbox, really. Fantastic combination of both education and experience. So can you perhaps tell us a little more about the work and programs you're actually running at All Thrive and potentially the training and experiences that your clients receive from your programs? Yes. So my the style of my programs is mostly workshop focused. And so I want to work with a group of people. I think there's huge power when you're doing this work to see other people learning it as well not only maybe to decrease a little bit of fear of feeling alone and like you're the only one that can't do these things, but also, you know, the person next to you has this aha moment and they share it and you see something a different way. And so there's a real power to that. Um, you know, ideally, um, and when things change a little bit, more of my workshops will be outdoors. I have some great plans for that with, with in-person with people. Um, but for now, most of my programming is going to be online. And so finding a way to do online workshops that still have that really experiential component that you're not just staring at a screen, listening to someone talk, but actually have uh, pieces that you can interact with other people you can interact with in a way that helps your learning. And so my workshops focus on a couple big themes overall, I would say they focus on helping people understand what's really important to them. So that can be their values. It can be their purpose and what brings them meaning and excitement for their life going forward which I also think is a huge supportive factor against anxiety and depression, having that, that way that you feel like contributing to the world. Um, I love focusing on communication and conflict resolution. I think so much of that is about people maybe not having the skills and the understanding of how to be empathetic and use the words that really matter. So that talking about feelings, talking about their unmet needs, those pieces have communication that, you know, for all that sounds kind of maybe fluffy to some people talking about feelings, it's actually a much more effective way of connecting with people and getting your, your needs met. Um, I really love uh, True Colors personality typology. So I'm certified in that. Uh, and what I, what I most love about it, if you haven't done personality typology, it's very simple. It's only four colors. And the best part is, is it, they say that you're all four. And so not just you're this type but that you have more of this personality trait, maybe less of this one. And it really, again, it helps build empathy that you can say, oh, maybe I conflict with this person a little because of this, but I realize I also have a piece of it. And, you know, you get to celebrate the pieces that you are stronger in, which maybe you've gotten feedback before in your life that someone said, oh, that's a bad trait to have, or why aren't you more outgoing? Or why aren't you quieter, right? People get that kind of feedback all the time. So it's really exciting for me to run that course because it's so much about celebrating who you are, celebrating who others are, 
And then even going into things like understanding different people's stressors and how to help them through their stress, not just in your natural way that you would want to. Um, I'm also super passionate about power dynamics in relationships. I think that's something that maybe we don't talk about enough and and people all have obviously their own experience of power, right? We all, from a young age, maybe there was abuses or misuses of power. Maybe you've had great experiences with with a leader that really inspired you. Um, So I went down, also did a training called The Right Use of Power. Uh, That was by a lady named Cedar Barstow down in Colorado. And I really love bringing that to people because once you can gain that awareness of the of how power affected you. So therefore how you are going to use your power. And so are you using it in a responsive way that you're not reactive to situations? Are you using it in a way that you're really reading other people? Are you able to take responsibility for relationships? If you have more of that power and ability to create change on your side and you know how, how those relationships work, how you can gain feedback from them, how you, can can really use the most effectively once again right it it seems like a weird way to get to that piece but absolutely love that there's a really interesting intersection there between the power and use of power the knowledge of your power and the personality dynamic because i would think that you probably find that certain personality colors use power in a a different way to other personality colors. Yeah. And yes, you are totally right. It's it's so commingled. And I love that all the work I do, really, you see how it reflects uh, each other. I think where I really see it um, is one of the things we talk about with power dynamics is once again, not that necessarily a certain thing is good or bad, right? So whether you approach things with more flexible boundaries or more firm boundaries, whether you're more relational in your approach or more task-focused, those are all good qualities and different personalities might display those in more or less quantities. But the piece with when you have that greater influence over someone else's life, whether that's in the role of a a boss or a parent, is that you need to be responsive to what's happening for them. So same thing with the personalities. If you are someone who's very, you know, heart focused and emotional focused, and you use lots of emotional words and you're with someone whose personality, um, you know, they really love that information and analyzing a situation, you know, you're trying to help them from this beautiful heart-centered place and you care so much and they're not maybe receiving it in the same way. And so it's, it's a spectrum, right? Where are you on that spectrum of how you approach someone and how much can you be flexible? How much can you meet them where they're at? Right, some element of bring you to me and me to you so that it works a a little more effectively in the relationships because it's amazing how our communication and our relationships are the biggest problem in our everyday lives. Quite frankly, they just get in the way because we people and the person we're working with is a person and we're all different, which is so awesome, but also so so problematic sometimes. Yeah, and I I just find people, you know, we're all very good at assuming so much that we take to be fact, right? Like, you know, the story you tell yourself, everything you believe is true is true until you realize maybe it isn't for someone else. And, you know, one of my favorite ones from True Colors was a couple. And the, the husband was that very logical, analytical mindset. And the wife was very that emotional, compassionate mindset. And, uh, 
you know, the wife said they'd been married for years and years and years. And she said, I, I don't feel loved by you. You never tell me you love me. He said, you know, I told you I loved you when we got married. I'll let you know if it changes. <laughs> you know, yeah. there was obviously so much care. He loved her completely. There wasn't a <laughs> doubt that he loved her. But, you know, that communication piece, that under misunderstanding or different style that they hadn't communicated that before. So interesting. Hey, I mean, that just sums it up. I'll, I'll tell you if it changes. <laughs> I know. That's so awesome. So can you give us a bit of a taste for the programs you run? Are you running them for all age groups or focusing on particular age groups? And obviously COVID has got in the way, so you have to run the programs very different now. But if you can perhaps tell us how you're running programs now and what your goal would eventually be once we have a little more freedom and or in the medium to longer term. Yeah. Um, well, so right now, maybe I'll give you a couple examples of programs that I'm doing right now, because that'll help. So one of the programs that I have coming up is a mother daughter webinar series. And so it's an eight week course that for two hours a week, um, the mothers and daughters are meeting together. And we're going over actually a lot of the topics that we have talked about that I mentioned earlier. And it's really, again, that intentional time. It's a bit of guided experiential piece that they can not only learn about these concepts, but actually start practicing applying them to their life, even going through a workbook throughout the week with small tasks to keep enforcing this. So that would be one. And that's right now it's mothers with teenage daughters is the group I'm focusing on for that. Um, in early March on the 6th, I'm going to be running a full day of true colors. And so nice. that's for everyone 12 up. And it's really exciting to me because, you know, I see a lot of personality assessments and there's you know the the more um, personal ones that people use and there's the more work-oriented ones and I really think if people aren't taking this skill and applying it to both those parts of their life you're you're really missing out right you're not working as effectively with your coworkers. you're not connecting as closely maybe with your family and friends and so that one is very exciting to me and then for actually my um, what might be my first in person for this summer, you know, knock on wood that everything goes well, but I'm doing a week of programming for the Naramata Center in BC um, about, um, we're calling it empathetic living. So it's the first week of July. And that one's also for um, youth and adults. So it's an intergenerational one, which is really great. And we're going to be going through some of these themes and they have just this gorgeous center with a really great focus on, you know, that combination of, of growing those empathetic skills of spirituality and caring for each other. So Fantastic. I mean, that would be an in-person program. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, so that's, that's quite diverse, I must admit. And a lot of, so do you, you take people through various fun exercises and, and challenging exercises through all of these workshops? Yeah, it's, it, I think it's all about, you, you need an experience in your body um, that you have that you have gone through, I think, to really understand a concept. And I think one of the other pieces too that maybe people don't immediately relate to experiential learning. This used to be an interview question I asked all the time. What does this mean to you? Um, and a big piece of it is actually to the relationship, right? It's about the relationship between the practitioner, the relationship between the participants, and how they are actually developing that together. So that's one of the reasons, too, I really love working with families because they're actually using their relationship to grow. They're using direct examples. They're practicing with each other. They're having these experiences of growth together. 
Awesome. So what do you find can be among the biggest challenges, both for you and for your participants in your courses? Yeah, uh, I would say maybe three things come to mind immediately. One of the challenges is, I really think we need to be more proactive with some of these pieces. And, you know, people don't see a problem in their life till they see a problem. But the challenge is, if you're hitting problems that are more involved with mental wellness, or big challenges in your life, and you don't have the capacity, it can knock you back quite a bit, right? Whether whether it's, you know, a youth who does really well in high school, gets great grades, gets into university, and suddenly they hit a big stumbling block, because they're living away from home, and it's a different situation. You know, maybe they didn't take the time or have the resources that someone provided them, because they looked like they were doing fine in high school, and suddenly they don't know how to cope with it. So that's, that's one piece, I think it's a challenge to help people understand that, right? That it's the best time to invest in this kind of stuff is before there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also do think, you know, one of the other challenges is there is still a bit of a stigma, not just around mental health, but it can be challenging for people. Like there's a vulnerability to looking at your life, to looking at your habits and your skills and feeling like maybe you've fallen short, or maybe you know that you've hurt the people in your life. And that's, that's a really hard thing to look at. I actually think looking at yourself is the most challenging work and the most important work we can really do in our lives. So So I would say that's, that's one piece for sure. And I think right now too, when people are in a state of crisis, it can also be hard to think about these pieces. And as, as much as maybe we've gotten used to some of the the pieces of the last year, I think a lot of people are still in an elevated stress place where they're maybe not feeling equipped or or ready right now to handle some of those pieces. Yeah. It's going to be extra. So true. It's going to be interesting to see the longer term impact that comes out of this. And I would actually question if you're not going to see an ongoing impact through the work you do. In fact, what trends do you see that will probably impact the industry and and generally potentially your clients over the next, let's call it three to five years, which will obviously be to some extent COVID, but more generally? Oh, three to five years for COVID. That sounds, oh, that sounds. No, so hopefully COVID's <laughs> gone beyond before <laughs> yes. then. I do mean the, the ongoing, of course. shall we call it normal state of the industry? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I, I am excited in a way. I mean, it's a negative impact, but I am excited that I think a lot of people have looked at mental wellness a lot more during this time as they were not able to do their normal self-care activities and connect with their loved ones in the same way. I think that's been hard on people and they're more and more aware of that mental wellness piece. So I do hope that will lead more people to want to embrace that idea. Like you, nobody, nobody hopefully knew that COVID was coming along. Right. And suddenly everyone, once again, was stuck with this place where maybe they didn't have the skills where they felt they could cope with this big issue. And so once again, making that message of, you know, take the time, grow and learn before who knows what's going to happen down the road. So I do think that trend will shift a bit. And another trend that I've been seeing in Alberta, which is really great, is I know there is more of this focus on proactive for mental health. And the piece that's missing that I'm also trying to fill is I feel a lot of our proactive approach is still telling people about mental health, right? Telling them this is what depression might look like, or here's who you call if you have suicidal ideations. Those are super important, obviously. I think that's it's the first step, which is so key. And the piece I think can still be strengthened so much is actually that skill development is working with people to gain those resilient skills is going through these activities that help them learn and grow. 
Yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree with you that um, through the ability to learn the skills or identify the signals, both good and bad, and potentially learn the skills, I wonder if we wouldn't develop a population that more readily accepts the differences between people as well as able to avoid some of the negative impacts, both in themselves and those around them. Because quite honestly, there really is still a very big stigma and it takes the majority of people a very long time to get to the point where they start saying, hang on, I think I have a problem. I'd like some help. And even if it's going on a website to identify if they have those symptoms, it takes people a long time. And, and I do think that's where some of the information that's been coming out the last year is that push to normalize and really destigmatize mental health has been hugely impactful. I do think, you know, younger generations coming up are much more able to speak to that piece. Um, at the same time, younger generations are experiencing more mental health challenges, more anxiety and depression. And, you know, I think there's a lot of factors in our society right now that are contributing to that. And so that's really why we need to, to put more emphasis on, on developing that skill, because there's some piece that's in disconnect right now as to why they're not maybe getting some of those resilient skills. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So do you find that intervention and helping in the youth age group is particularly important at a certain age or perhaps characteristics or signals that you start seeing in the in the kids? Yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of studies on this. And, and generally, the message is the earlier you can start with any of the skill development is, of course, going to be healthy for you. If you can you know, raise a child who's emotionally literate and healthy that way, it's of course, even from toddlerhood is going to serve them throughout their whole life. I know an age range that I particularly love working with is about that, you know, grade nine age. Because, you know, if you look at developmentally, when youth are about, about 12, they start developing their own identities, right? That's when they start becoming not just a reflection of their parents, they start becoming little individuals. True. And, you know, it's a, it's a rocky time. I think if you talk to any parents at about that 12 age, they're going to express that it was a bit of a growth period. But within those first couple of years after that, there's really this, this flexibility as well, because they are learning who they are. There's a little openness. There's a little space to really play around in that and help them find a healthy direction for that. And not that obviously that, you know, you're talking to a kid in high school, they're not going to still have some of that. But by that time, they're starting to settle into it more and have different peer influences and different stresses on their life. So I, I really love that kind of growth age of early mid teenagehood. Oh, that's that's pretty awesome. And I would think you probably in your work see quite a big difference with the support networks that these kids have sometimes. Sometimes I have to question if the adults, shall we call them around them, are not part of the problem because they're not given the freedom to develop in a healthy way to, to come out the other side with a, an awesome personality and being confident but not overconfident and, and all those really good things. <laughs> so what yeah. do you find makes some successful while others really struggle, either in terms of the people that go through your courses or 
potentially those that you've seen in the past, because you've certainly been in some environments where, as you mentioned, the youth had got pretty far down a bad road at that point, and you had to try and help them back. So what uh, makes some of them successful where others really do struggle? Yeah, yeah, a really easy question, obviously. <laughs> no, um, there's there's a lot of factors to it, and you know, first of all, just to, to kind of combine that with your last point, I think parents are in a hard place um, because, first of all, there's there's a lot of factors that are different in the world right now that they are struggling with, of course, um, and you know, the change in economy and how dual income families are a thing, and there's different stressors, and you know, the pieces too. A lot of people weren't intentionally taught a lot of these skills, right? There's only a small percentage of the population that has, you know, really worked on communication and understanding their emotions on certain levels and understanding people in that way. Most of it's just this intuitive, you grow up and you see what your parents do and you, you emulate it in some way. And I think one of the, I, I would say the biggest piece just in, in general for people's success and happiness in life is, is the ability to look at their story. And like I said, that's a bit of a courage piece. It can be a bit of a, actually, you know, one of your personal values. I know one of mine is in that growth and development. So this mindset of I, I want to learn, I'm, I'm open to it, and I'm willing to look at maybe what thoughts are serving me and what aren't. But it, it's a really hard one. I mean, youth with the program too, they have so many factors that they're going back to. So, you know, are they going back to a home where family is maybe using some substances? Are they going back to a school where their only peer group and their only friends are also using, right? Like those kinds of things can make a huge impact. So there's, there's the personal factors and there's the, you know, larger socio psychoeconomical, all of those kinds of factors that are going to influence that. But I, th I think in general, like if I was to say one thing, it's just having, having a bit of that growth mindset being willing to to try other things and see other things out there is a is a huge benefit for people right which takes a lot of courage quite it, frankly, it takes a lot of courage and step away and support you know. too which is hard oh yeah i don't have that yeah i know it can be very hard and and um our society is actually quite interesting and this sense because we have a very large proportion of immigrants who are coming from a very different background environment, potentially if they first generation immigrants, their parents have not been exposed to our Canadian way of doing things and our very different society. So that in addition creates some pretty spectacular stresses. And that's part of where they say some of these youth get into these groups that become their support network, but they're not a very healthy support network. They, they're getting them into all kinds of unpleasant things because the parents are away working all day. They're not around to help the, the, yeah. the kids. And I, and I, I definitely agree. I, I do think there's additional challenges to immigrant families. Um, and, and one of them, honestly, just being, you know, racism and, that power dynamic piece that I spoke about, there's, there is still obviously influences on our society there. And I think with youth, there are so many youth that are struggling with finding their place. And you kind of talked about maybe finding a peer group that doesn't serve them. So when I think of, um, you know, some of the, the communications and empathetic pieces I do, a lot of it's based on concepts from nonviolent communication. So Marshall Rosenberg, it's a great, great resource. And one of the things he talks about you know, is, is the needs that people have and not, you know, I need you to do something, but, you know, deep heart needs like, you know, love and connection and 
I do honestly believe one of the core ones is, is that connection and belonging piece. And humans are very good at getting their needs met. And if they can't find a healthy way to get them met, they will find an unhealthy way to get them met. So when you talk about youth maybe finding that bad crowd, I actually see them as, you know, they're trying to maybe fill a need of belonging, which is that core important need. If, you know, they're, they're feeling a lack of competence in their life, might they, you know, act out in a certain way or, you know, act out quotes, because I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're seeking something, they're actually just trying to fill a need, they don't have a better way to do it. And I think a lot of adults do this, too. I certainly don't think it's unique to youth. But we're not very good at expressing that or even like being aware, maybe of what's happening for us, we're just trying to fill them in whatever way we can. So yeah, yeah, it's probably almost a natural tendency that that something inherent within the person drags them in a particular position to unknowingly fill a need. And yeah, as you say, sometimes it's healthy and sometimes it's definitely not so healthy. And it's so much harder to come back from that unhealthy place because that the human gets to a point where they're actually unhappy in that place that they're trying to fill. But it's actually quite hard to bring the road back unless you get help from perhaps a program like yours that would alert you to some characteristics you have or some needs you have or potentially some alternative ways of discovering yourself. Yeah, very, very interesting perspective there. Well, well, if you think about it too, you know, if this was a need, like maybe for a young person who for a while felt quite disconnected and now they found this peer group, it could also be really hard to think about the idea that this peer group that did fill such an important need has now become so important in your life. It's hard to see it maybe as a problem, right? And that's, you know, the very classic, you don't, you know, the first step is admitting you have a problem. And, you know, the other piece too with this is as a society, we talk a lot about what you shouldn't do and we don't always offer a lot of solutions, right? So it's not like I don't think any kid that starts maybe using, especially maybe some heavier drugs, it's not that anyone thinks, yeah, these are healthy and a great path for life, maybe, right? They've been told, don't do this, this is bad. But at the same time, you know, that's a solution for them. They found something that worked after all this time, maybe all this pain, all of this stress, all of this discomfort with their life, it's really hard to say, yeah, don't do that, just do this. Or don't just don't do that is sometimes the message they get, right? What are we actually giving people to replace some of those pieces in their life? And it doesn't have to be something as extreme as substances. It could be, you know, um, we all have bad habits. And they're in some way, right? Yeah, Yeah, they're all serving us. They've all found a way to meet that need. And, you know, until something maybe really forces us to look at it, we're going to see it as it kind of still works, right? Well, like so true. And, and change alone creates a lot of stress within the person. And, you know, if you have some slightly bad habits or maybe your friend group is not entirely healthy for you as a person, it is incredibly hard to, for argument's sake, make friends. So move out of that group into another group intentionally and just try to actively make a change in your life. That is so stressful and so hard to do. It's very hard. And and I think too, like even, even good situations, when you move forward, you've got to realize like all change involves loss. Even, even if you're working at a, a horrible job and you're really excited because you finally got a new one, there is still a loss. There's a loss to the habits you had there, the people you worked with, the lifestyle, all of these pieces 
So yeah, once again, it's another one of those maybe scary pieces. And even when you're looking at yourself, if you're going to change some component of who you are or the skills you use, there's going to be a loss of your previous skills or way of being or looking at or the people that you were interacted with because of that. So it is, it is, it's stressful and it's, it can be sad and people don't always acknowledge that piece. They feel like they should just, you know, I, I know this is a bad thing. I should want to move on. And then, then you're harder on yourself. Then it makes it more stressful, right? Well, so true. You know, it's painful. You know, loss of something is very painful. And it stays within our, our memory and our being. It's part of our experience. Whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, loss is really, really painful. So, yeah, I would think um, your, your programs are probably pretty fun because you're able to work through some of those aspects, but an awful lot of progressive forward-looking development with your people and hopefully there's a lot of laughs and and fun moments within them as well for all of these people as they learn new things. (laughs) I I certainly think so. Um, You know, I I, I do try to avoid telling people to not do things. That's very, very little pieces. Or if I do, it's because I'm saying, and here's something else you can try, or would you like to, to try moving forward to this? And, you know, my favorite fun moment is when maybe I point out something. So like, for example, in True Colors, when I talk a little bit more about what each of the types is, sometimes I will just see people, you know, laughing so hard because they're going, oh my God, it's me. Or, oh my God, here's my partner. I just figured this out. And it's, I, that's my favorite to see people like laugh and, and enjoy getting to reflect on, oh my God, I get this peace in my life. Like that's why this is happening. So that is so awesome. You. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's got to be a great experience, particularly if you suddenly see the light bulbs switch on for some people. So. Yeah. <laughs> so what worries and excites you about the future? Either the industry, you know, even our city, province and, and country as we move forward here? Um, well, I, you know, in a, in a provincial level, I really hope that um, we start getting a bit more government support soon to things that are preventative and support factors. So whether that's social support services, um, because they are, you know, actually more inexpensive to put money in instead of take money and end up paying some other consequential pieces down the road. So I, I do hope that becomes more of a focus that we keep working towards putting that money into schools, putting that money into those, those pieces, because it is so, so important. Um, Yeah. Preventive rather than reactive. Once again, preventive rather than reactive. Um, I, I do think that after COVID, we will have, I don't want to call it a mental health crisis, but I do think there will be long-term impacts from this, you know, group experience that we had where people weren't able to see each other in the same way. And, you know, there's definitely some benefits to it too. You know, the world shifted in interesting and unique ways, like getting to work online and, and different people getting different time with their family, all sorts of things like that. But I, I do think we will be feeling the impact of this for for a little while and you know we'll we'll keep exploring what ways can we best support people in the new world in you know the ways that they'll think and have experienced covid once we get to kind of look back on it instead of being embroiled in the middle of it true and hopefully from your perspective you'll have the opportunity to get people together in different environments and you know take them out of their comfort zone both to have fun in the new space but also just to I mean, human beings are social. We want 
to see each other. And even if it's people we didn't previously know, I do also wonder if we're going to start enjoying the group feel or the outdoors feel more than we have because we've been mm -hmm. solitary indoors for a, quite some time. So yeah. no, that's pretty been. awesome. It has been actually one one positive shift. I mean, I don't know if you've tried to buy outdoor equipment in the last year, but it's been awfully hard. And, you know, it is encouraging to see how many people did go experience. Obviously, like I said, I, I love the outdoors. And so seeing different people experience that more because of this has been really lovely. And, you know, I, I really hope we continue to talk for the next little while when we are still in this space about physical distancing, not social distancing. Because yes. I, I think that's so important that people are still being social, even if it's in different mediums. Um, you know, now in Alberta, we're, we're back allowed to do small gatherings outdoors. Mm -hmm. It's You know, this last week's been really cold for it. But in general, like bundle up and, and go see people from a safe distance, you know, wear masks and all that. But make sure you are still feeding that part of yourself that you're having those social connections for sure. No, that's a, a very good suggestion because we do need the social interaction we can have the physical distancing but let's have the, the social interaction so do you have any thoughts that you'd like to leave us with hmm i i think just in general you know i i want to honor and you know celebrate people that are facing these things so whatever way you're growing right now if you have been struggling with mental health this past year and you've learned new ways of taking care of yourself that's amazing um, if you have been putting some more intentionality into your growth, whatever that looks like, um, that's amazing. Just, just for people doing the work, like take, take that work and apply it to your life and see the changes and really celebrate, celebrate change. Even at the same time, you can acknowledge the loss. Oh, so true. And help those around you. If you happen to have gained a skill, you, yeah. pretty awesome. So how can listeners contact you to learn more about the program as well as all thrive itself and, and your future progression as you manage to move into the non COVID generation? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'd certainly love people to check out my website. So it's all thrive, all one word together.ca. Um, and that has information about, a whole variety of programs from youth programs and family programs to adult programs. So that would be the best place to go. That has a link to my Facebook and everything. So they can check Fantastic. out. I'll link that up in the, on the show notes page so that if that anyone's really listening lovely. on the run, then it's, it's a little easier. They can just yeah. click the link and off we go. So yeah. thanks and very I'm much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun and certainly great to explore the various options that you bring into your programming. And what, what I did particularly like is that you're doing a combination of almost the discover the individual as well as discover the relationship like in your mother-daughter workshops where it's work on it from both, from both sides. Yeah, relationships are, are everything. But thank, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. I've loved all our conversations and I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Absolutely. I look forward to, to continuing our relationship. Absolutely too. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients achieve the business growth and success they are capable of. They innovate and strategically anticipate, fine-tune their highest impact business variables, and regularly exceed aggressive growth and cash flow targets. If you would like to know more, here are four ways you can help energize your business growth. 
Number one, subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast to hear from other companies that have overcome growth hurdles they have experienced. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app right now or go to proteaconsulting.ca slash podcast. Number two, get your free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing to discover her proven strategies for growth. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash book. Number three, download a copy of the Financial Growth Scorecard to assess your current status and what to work on next on your growth journey. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash growth. Number four, work with us to achieve the growth and success your company is truly capable of. To find out if we're a fit, email nola at info at proteaconsulting.ca or send us a note on the website at proteaconsulting.ca slash contact.